honey that was once used as a weapon of war. And we take a look at UFO sightings interfering with our military maneuvers today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I hope you're having a great day. I'm having a pretty good day. It's 98 degrees. I'm recording during the day again, um, but I have a sore back, so I have a heating pad on my back. So my back is probably closer to like 105, 110. I think I told you before that I made my own back ointment with the... I took a, I think it's called a dragon pepper or devil's tongue or something like that. It's one of the top two hottest peppers. Scorpion, maybe? Anyways... I took one of those and I squished it into a bucket of Bengay and just like mushed it around. And so I've been used, I've only used it a couple times because it's pretty intense, obviously. What's interesting about it is you rub it on your back, you don't feel anything. Like normally when you put on an ointment on your back, you feel stuff immediately. This one you rub on your back, you don't feel anything. And then you rub it on your back a little more and you still don't feel anything. And what happens is you get to a point where, well, I did. I put it on my back. I woke up. I didn't get much sleep last night. My back was hurting because I'm sleeping on the couch. But that's another story. And so I'm walking to work. I have this ointment all over my back. I need to come up with a name for it. But I'm walking to work, and I begin sweating, and my back's on fire. It really has to be water-activated for it to work. So it's kind of an interesting interesting little little thing, little thing going on. But yeah, I just got some muscle pain in general. I think I'm just not sleeping well or whatever. So we got some really good uh, stories for you today. One of them is actually off of that conspiracy list I often reference. And it's one of the ones that people have always kind of laughed at. And just the name of it, they're like, what? That's stupid. That's totally made up. And I went and looked it up and it's real. It's actually real. There, It's made today. It still exists today. So a lot of the stuff on the conspiracy list, I think, is word salad just a couple words put together, but some of it I found some documentation for. Some of it, what happens is it gets a life of its own. So someone will throw something on the list and then people will then work backwards to try to find a conspiracy for it. And that's always interesting too, because whether or not the story is true sometimes is irrelevant. It's the fact that the story exists in any way. The Slender Man is not a true story, but it's an interesting, fun story and the fact that it has become a quote-unquote true story. It's become a myth of our times. The story behind Slender Man is more fascinating than Slender Man himself. And so I think when we go deeper into some of these conspiracies, we're going to run into those things. I'm going to make a quick plug for a product. It's not, I'm not getting sponsored by this, but I use it all the time. And it's something everyone uses all the time, but this is phenomenal. So deodorant, and here's the thing, I think a lot of people get this mixed up, you don't just need deodorant, you need deodorant antiperspirant, because they're two completely different things, and I think a lot of people get them mixed up, deodorant just covers up any sort of smell you're going to have, antiperspirant, uh, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but antiperspirant keeps you from sweating, and I get that, you know, some people don't like to use antiperspirant, because it blocks the pores in your armpit, and so you can't secrete the, the, you know, toxins you're supposed to. But I like to use both. I don't like to just buy a deodorant or an antiperspirant. Why would you buy an antiperspirant and not a deodorant? I can understand if someone just got the deodorant. But anyways, Old Spice Wolfthorn is the best deodorant I have ever had. It's a little, it's probably about 380 of 
for uh, just one bar of it. I think it's called the bar. It smells great. It works great. I've never had any trouble with it. It doesn't stain any of my shirts. Old Spice Wolfthorn. If you're looking for a good smelling, effective deodorant, that's the one. And I've tried, and I think everybody has, and I've tried all sorts of stuff. And sometimes I want to save some money. So I'll buy like the two pack of Arm & Hammer deodorant, which is okay, but it's just doesn't, I don't really like the smell as much. Uh, it's effective in what it does, but I, and it kind of stains my shirts, but Old Spice Wolfthorn. I know that totally sounds like an ad, and it kind of is. I'm not getting paid for it, but it's like my favorite deodorant. I love the smell of it. It's just super efficient. i kind of gone on for that for a bit now. Okay, so we'll go ahead and get started on this episode here. Sponsored by Wolfthorn Deodorant. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, so I came across some interesting stories, and um, the food-based one is actually... The conspiracy, the one that's on the conspiracy list. It's one that a lot of people have requested. A lot of people have questioned its existence. They thought it was just something funny that someone put in the board. And that is Mad Honey. So Mad Honey is actually a real thing. And it's manufactured today. It comes from Turkey. Now, Mad Honey kind of got its reputation because of an event back in 67 BC. I wasn't able to find any sourcing for this story. Uh, This is from an article that I'll post below, and I was hoping to get some more detail on this actual battle, but I wasn't able to. So in 1960, I'm sorry, 1967. In 67 BC, these Roman soldiers were invading the Black Sea area. And... The king, the the king in that area, King, uh, let's see how much I butcher this, King Mithridates, Mithridates, knew that these Roman soldiers are just going to plow over his troops. This is the Turkey region, region, well, it wasn't called Turkey back then, I don't believe, but anyways. He sees that these Roman soldiers are coming through, and he's like, how am I going to take these guys on? They're very well trained, you know, we got a good army too, but we got to take care of this. You don't want to have to fight them in an open field. So he ordered his men, Hey, go get some of that mad honey. And I want you to break off huge honeycombs of mad honey. And it's actual honey. And I want you to just drop it in the area. Leave it around so as the troops are marching, they'll run into it. They'll find it. Now, you're a soldier. It's 67 BC. You're not... You know, an army marches on its stomach. There's no snicker bars back then. You're getting a little hangry. You, you want to kill some Turks, but you're also just kind of hungry right now. And you look down and you see a big red honeycomb laying on the ground. Looks delicious. Looks kind of like a pomegranate, maybe. I'm hoping maybe it tastes like one. So you pick it up. Take a big bite of it. Mmm, dude, this is this is like honey. This this tastes delicious. And the other Roman soldier goes, oh, man, here, let me see that glass de Vias or whatever. Oh, you know what I found out, too? That the Roman word for sheath means vagina. So if you back and if you traveled. So basically, a vagina is just the Latin form of saying the word sheath because it makes sense. You're kind of like putting your 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 quote unquote sword into a sheath. So you're gladius into a vagina. So if you traveled back in time, you would hear a bunch of Roman soldiers being like, oh man, where's my vagina? I left it at home. I gotta go, because otherwise I can't carry the sword all the time. No, here, borrow my vagina. It's a little worn out. 
But it'll fit your sword. Oh, thank you, thank you, Thavius. Anyways, so I'm sure that ruined the narrative, <laughs> the narrative immersion of my cra- well-crafted story here. But anyway, so this, the Roman soldiers with vaginas at hand taped to their waist are walking through. They're marching through this path to invade, to take on the Turks. And they keep finding chunks of this red honeycomb. And, oh, man, this is delicious. <sighs> Eating it, having a good time. And then the side effects kick in. First, a couple of the soldiers get a little nauseous, a little sick. Some of them are complaining about blurred vision. Can't see anything really well. Then the hallucinations kick in. They see the god Saturn fly across the sky, throwing out rose petals at their feet. They see two squirrels playing ping pong, or the Roman equivalent of ping pong back then. Their vaginas begin to talk to them. Hey, put a sword in me. And in the midst of the nausea, blurred vision, and general unwellness, not to mention the crippling hallucinations, the Turks showed up and slaughtered slaughtered the Romans. So what is mad honey? Mad honey is actually honey created, obviously, but it's honey created by bees that are let loose in an area that has... A bunch of uh, rohedron. So it's these flowers. So what happens is even today, the Turkish beekeepers in the area, they'll create their regular honey. And then they'll load up their big boxes of bees. And they have to hike them up this huge hill where that's where all the rohedron things are. All the rohe... I know I'm not saying that right, but... Rohedodendron. Anyways, so they take them up there and... Bees can pollinate those type of flowers really anywhere, but up there there's no other flowers around, so every bit of pollination the bee gets is from those flowers. They go back to their beehive, and they, they one of the chemicals in those type of flowers is a hallucinogenic. So the bees basically are making hallucinogenic honey. In Turkey, it's considered to have a lot of health benefits, and that's why people still, still make it. It's very expensive, too. I think it's like $120 a bottle. And you can order it online if you're so inclined. However, before you do that, we'll get to the health warnings soon enough. If the nausea and hallucinations didn't didn't get you. But in Turkey, it's kind of a cultural thing where, oh, you're sick, just take a scoop of mad honey. Oh, you're, you know, lethargic, take a scoop of mad honey. A little depressed, scoop of mad honey. So you just take a scoop, you're fine. But it's very easy to overdose on it. It can actually kill you if you take too much of it. So it starts off and it's um, low blood pressure, irregularities in the heartbeat, nausea, numbness, blurred vision, fainting, potent hallucinations, seizures, and death in rare cases. So it's nothing to be toyed with. And this article, it was a very interesting article. This reporter goes to Turkey and kind of talking to different people. And a couple of them are like, oh, a couple of other people from the West are like, yeah, I really want to get some mad honey. I can order it online, but you never know what's going to be in it. Could be fake. This is kind of like the holy grail of honey. I wonder if bees pollinate marijuana. Does it have to be a flower? I wonder if they could crossbreed a flower and marijuana. And then bees would pollinate marijuana. I don't know. How does marijuana grow? It's seeds, right? It's seeds fall off, so maybe that's different. But do bees pollinate sunflowers? Because those have seeds, too. Anyways, anyways. So, they're making this honey over there. 
and you can buy it and it's you can buy it from a shop there but they don't really advertise it because again if you're in turkey you know where to get it they don't want a bunch of westerners coming over taking three scoops flipping out and calling themselves the messiah as they run down the street naked and on fire and it basically causing the government to regulate their business. They keep it on the down low. They keep it under the shelves. Every so often, someone, you have to have a friend who will introduce you to the right shopkeeper. And they usually keep it under their counter. Fascinating. And again, you can order it online, but you don't know what you're getting. So, Mad Honey. Very simple. Um, it is a, it's such a lesser known conspiracy that it shows up on the conspiracy list. It's actually fairly easy to find. I just googled Mad Honey. A lot of people are like, what is Mad Honey? This is fake. And it, it maybe maybe it was a little more than Googling it. I think it, it took me maybe like five, ten minutes, but it wasn't hard at all. And I thought it was fascinating it, that it was it's basically a a biological weapon. You can use it against an invading force and they don't know what they're into. It's, it takes very specialized it take, it's like only can grow in a certain area. Like you can't have a bunch of other flowers around. And I always think that's interesting. So like, how did they first discover this? Like who was the first guy who saw a cow and goes, you know what? Ah, I'm drinking out of that udder. Who, at what point in human history? Cause I mean, someone had to sit there and go, man, you know what? My son's drinking from my wife's boob and that calf is drinking from that cow's boob. Ergo, I should be able to drink from that cow's boob. Like, you you had to have a chain of events, a chain of decisions to get there. And the same thing with this. You know that there are beekeepers in the valley for a thousand years. And they're, like, making honey and stuff like that. And then so they're, like, some guy shows up. Charles. Charles the Turk shows up. And they're like, get out of here, Charles. You can't put your beehives here. This whole area is taken. And he's like, fine, I'm going to go somewhere else. So he climbs up the hill to get away from all the bullies. And he puts down his beehive. And he's like, okay, I think I'll put him up here. And then he starts noticing his honey's red. And he's like, oh, that's a waste. It throws it out. And then more bees, they make more honey and it's red. And he's like, what am I going to do with this red honey? I'll taste it. And he takes a bite and he's like, oh, Oh, this actually isn't that bad. Even though it's red, it tastes pretty good. What do you think, bee goddess? And then the bee goddess is talking to him because he's having horrible hallucinations. And then if, if from that point on, somebody said, you know what? I bet you this has some health benefits. Lowering blood pressure is a health benefit. I don't see really see how blurred vision is a health benefit, but it's that, that chain of events had to happen. I mean, maybe they found a red just beehive one day and they're like, hey, let's take a bite out of that and see what happens. But even then, that's weird. To get to the point where they're manufacturing mad honey and they know enough about it that they can use it effectively against an invading force, it wasn't just a fluke. Nothing's ever a fluke. And I think that a lot of times when we look at society or world history, we jump from... We jump to like point 12. The point 12 is being Mad Honey exists. We don't know who found it. We don't know why they found it. You know, same thing with shaman who are like, take this bean and put it in your ear and then blow out your left nose while chewing on an onion root and it will get. How do they know all that stuff? More importantly, how do they know which stuff in the forest is not poisonous? Shamans are like, hey, drink this, but don't drink too much or you're going to die. Like, how do you figure that out? ayahuasca things like that you think evolutionary wise someone would have found it eaten it died and then everyone else would have been like nope not doing that anymore that's what animals do animals eat 
plants and they keep dying and then they go, they evolve to where they're stop eating that plant. So it's weird how we just jump, we skip whole parts of human history and it's just like, oh, this exists. Humans drink milk. And who was the first guy who was like, mmm, that white mucus coming out of that udder, that dirt-covered, mud-covered udder? Yeah, I'm putting that in my mouth. Fascinating. Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to do it. Our next story, we're going to go in the completely opposite direction from, I can't think of a pun, from bees in a box to UFOs. Yeah, I got nothing. Okay, so I always thought this was an interesting story. I It's one of those stories that... <sighs> it's one of those stories that you have to take a lot of stuff on faith. Like, Mad Honey can be tested. So there are some stories like Dublin, Wisconsin, which really has no backing information, the town that disappeared. And we, we run into those fairly often. Then there are stories that have some backing information... And that's eyewitness testimony. First person, eyewitness testimony, I was there. And then you get stories where it's like third person. And then you get stories that are like very well documented. This story kind of falls into that area of the first person. So we have to assume these people are telling the truth if we're going to believe in this story. If you don't believe that they're telling the truth, the story completely falls apart. Because the government has said, nah, it's not happening. But, you know, again... When you ever you're building a conspiracy, you have a group, you have a factor in it as a group that people don't normally trust, which is the military. So, this is the idea. And this kind of plays into a couple of theories I have with aliens in general. And I've heard this story. I don't think this story will come as a surprise to anybody. Maybe some people. I guess if it didn't come as a surprise to anyone, I wouldn't cover it. But we've been having a problem with our nuclear bases. United States nuclear bases. Now, they're scattered across the United States. When I was a kid, I actually was told that there were certain skyscrapers in New York that had no nothing in them. They were just a nuclear missile, and they built a building around it to hide it. And I don't really think I believe that. I think it's an interesting scenario, but I, what would be the point of having one nuclear missile in New York ready to launch and hidden in a building? New York's getting nuked anyways. It's not like it would be a total shock. It's not like you would like be able to save it for after the war or something like that. Anyways, that was an old urban legend. And there's at least one or two buildings in New York City that have a nuke in them. It's a kind of an empty shell of a building. So, we have... But we do have uh, nuclear bases across the United States. Back in the 60s... They were having reports. The U.S. Air Force was getting reports from servicemen saying there's bright lights in the sky and our nuclear weapons deactivated. Air Force Command is like, what are you, ta what are you talking about? Servicemen, there's bright lights in the sky. We see them. They come through the perimeter and our missiles just get deactivated. So, of course, Air Force is like, you guys are nuts. That's not happening. And these kept popping up. These stories kept popping up. One of the stories we have a witness. It is Air Force Captain Robert Salas, C-A-L-A-S. He was at Malmstrom Air Force Base in Montana. And he hears 
So this, the, basically, the security, the base security, tells him that we have a problem. There's some bright lights very high up, and they're moving into our perimeter. So everyone's freaking out. They don't know what's going on. This is, you know, not necessarily... I guess it's like the height of the Cold War, 67, 1967. You see these bright lights moving overhead. What are you going to do? You're going to open fire on them? You don't know what they are. You don't know if they're U.S. You don't know if they're Russian. You don't know if it's... uh, Even if it's us, if it's some sort of shadowy group. You know, who knows? They don't know. So they're not going to just open fire. And what happens is... Ten of the ICBMs that Captain Salas had control over just all deactivated. They all shut down. Now, this testimony, he didn't give this in a smoke-filled apartment while he's sitting in his recliner and you know with an iron lung counting his days down. This is part of the disclosure project where he was at the National Press Club and they had a bunch of people coming out. I think the number was over a hundred of of Previous soldiers, previous airmen, uh, military personnel who were coming out. So this wasn't just him saying this. Yeah. Well, he taught... Okay, so here's an interesting... This is funny. So what I just said. I just said 120 airmen and servicemen were testifying about this. And then... I, 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 the reason why I'm leaving this part in, because I think this is important when we're talking about any stories like this. I stated that as a fact. I read it on this website earlier. This is the actual, this is the actual information. So, okay, so here's, here's what it said. So from what it looks like, Salas was at the National Press Club, and I have watched footage of this, and I'm going to post it up as well, some other servicemen, but originally I said there was 120 servicemen part of this. That's not true. So Hastings, the UFO researcher, Robert Hastings, said he has talked to more than 120 former service members who have seen UFOs near where nuclear weapons are stored and and tested. Some of these incidents involved UFOs deactivating nuclear missiles. So now we're talking third party. Again, 120 people did not join the disclosure disclosure program a man who makes his living researching UFOs has talked to 120 people and they confirmed his story. Now, I'm not throwing, I'm not saying he's a liar or anything like that, but the amount of proof, the amount of evidence changes drastically versus 120 people coming forward versus one person saying, I've talked to 120 people. Because at best, he's telling the truth and he did talk to them, but at worst, he's making it up He's misinformed, he's exaggerating, and all of those things. And I'm not going to say which one is which, because I don't know. But I think it's interesting because, and chalk it up to my ignorance, but I think it's important when we talk about conspiracy theories and paranormal stuff, that I watch a lot of these conspiracy videos, and I listen to these podcasts, and they will make blanket statements. A very, very common one is, no one can go to Antarctica. I've heard that multiple times. No one can go to Antarctica. Nobody can go to Antarctica. And I heard that on maybe two different podcasts in maybe the span of three or four days. I went home and Googled that. That is 100% not true. There's like, no, only seven nations can go to Antarctica. And there's this treaty that bans anyone from going to Antarctica. That's not true. There are restrictions to going to Antarctica. They don't want you going there and drilling for oil. But if Zanzibar 
decided if they got their act together and had a good GDP and got all their finances in order and began to explore and they said, hey, we want to go to Antarctica, there is no law preventing them from going to Antarctica. If you have the money, you can charter a plane to Antarctica. They may say, hey, don't go super far inland because your plane's going to crash. But you're not going to get shot down by F-18s. It's flat out not true. And I've heard multiple podcasts say you can't go to Antarctica. And and they got their facts wrong. Just like I got my facts wrong. And I almost just kept going. And if you're listening to this podcast and you never checked it out, you're like, whoa, 120 servicemen went to this one meeting and they all stood there and told their stories. And that's just not true. But anyways, let's get back on topic. I Again, I'm going to call it out when I make mistakes, too, because, again, it's important. And then, you know, they also quote uh, retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel uh, Dwin Amison. Again, this is important. He comes out and says, oh, I in 1967, I was in Montana and I saw a, a message come over the wire saying nuclear weapons were disabled. Well, you know... Again, that's third party. I get it that you're in the military, and he may have seen that message. I'm not disputing some of the facts here. It's funny because as I'm reading this story, and this kind of happened with, um, and what was the other conspiracy? Oh, the Titanic conspiracy. As I'm reading this article, I've heard about this story for a long time. And as I'm reading this article, I can feel like my skeptical vibes picking up. So we have this article. read it over a few times. I'm very familiar with the story of UFOs being spotted over military bases and UFOs shutting down nuclear missiles. But according to this story, that story that I've been hearing for five or six years come really can be verified by only one person, and that is Captain Salas. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Ameson, Arnson, said that he saw a wire message that it came through, and then Hastings is saying he talked to other men who had the story, but they've never come forward. So the story I've been hearing for five years really can only be verified by one person who says he was there when it happened. Is it possible that he saw bright lights come overhead? Yes. Is it possible that the nuclear missiles were deactivated? Yes. Is it possible that... The Air Force obviously saying this isn't a threat, this isn't a problem. Now... I was kind of reading this story, and I, again, I've heard about it. It's a fairly famous incident that they're doing this. And it, it's not only happened in America. There's reports of it happening in Britain and in Russia. But again, it's real sparse information. It's kind of the same level of evidence. But I was hoping to do this story about UFOs, you know, flying over military bases. And people were like, what is that? And all of a sudden, like a light comes down. Like I imagine like it's this 1960s light. So the special effect is just a light fading on and off. And people are like, call the captain. Should we shoot it down? No, sir. And they're just kind of like looking at stuff. Their their vaginas are hanging off of their waist. The soldiers are still have swords in 1967. And they're looking up. And then all of a sudden, like, their ICBMs. What's going on here? Get the president on the line. We got to figure out what's going on. And That's the story I wanted to tell. And maybe it happened. Maybe it happened just like my 1960 sci-fi movie brain wants it to have happened. Do okay. Here, let, let's do this. Let's get this. Let's get this episode back into hopefully conspiracy land. Do I think this happened? Man, I really just can't. Do I think this happened based on the information that I've read about? 
and this article. Well, you know, here, let's end it like this. I'm not going to worry so much about debunking it. I think everyone should go out and do their own their own, own information on this. Uh, the resistance of light, I don't have any problem debunking. There's some stuff that you just, on the on the face of it, is fake. It's fake. See, I think that's the difference. I don't think this is necessarily fake. This, some of the details could be mismatched, and we only have, like, one real eyewitness about this. But I do think this is interesting, because when they talked to... Um, Lieutenant Colonel Arneson, he said, he, 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 they, the article ends like this. He has many questions about these sightings. He goes, are they extraterrestrial? Who knows? Are they from other dimensions? Who knows? Are they from underneath the earth? Who knows? Your guess is as good as mine. And I think that's how we're going to have to wrap that story up because I can't come out and say this is 100% fake. I don't have the full knowledge base on that. I've done reading on this, but I don't have a full knowledge base on this story or on really anything. So I'm not going to come out and debunk it. There will be other, like the Anthony Bourdain thing. I think that that was just a tragic event. And I'll debunk that. I don't believe that he was murdered. This story I'm going to put in the... I'm going to put it in the possible category, honestly. And I think that when you have someone going, I don't know what it is either. When you have a uh, retired Air Force colonel, lieutenant colonel going, I, I don't know. They could be from another dimension. They could be from underwater. Who knows? Your guess is as good as mine. Sometimes stories have to end like that. Sometimes stories aren't going to have conclusive evidence. They're not going to have an alien footprint or a Bigfoot hair. You're just going to have to go, that, that might be true. Again, like I was saying, it depends on how much trust you you put into your source in the beginning. And I'll, I'll trust these gentlemen, unless I'm given information that says otherwise. So I think we came back around on that. I, I was a, I, when I was going on there for a while, I was like, oh, yeah, this story's a buzzkill. But no, I think it actually is hopeful because I think sometimes you can find. You do have to just say, yeah, it might be. Your guess is as good as mine. It might sound like a cop-out answer, but I think saying if I had gone and said, this is not true, that's being ignorant. And if I said, you know what, despite all my misgivings, this is 100% true, that's being ignorant as well. They're just opposite sides of the scale. We're going to go ahead and end um, this episode of Dead Rabbit Radio right now. My name is Jason Carpenter. You can hit me up at deadrabbitradio at gmail.com. That's the preferred method of, of communicating with me. You can also hit me up at Twitter at Jason O. Carpenter. We have our Facebook group. That is facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Thinking about getting an Instagram going on, we have our YouTube channel. That's under Dead Rabbit Radio as well. And we're basically taking these episodes and cutting them into smaller little portions. So that's always nice to get a different audience, a different audience there. And tomorrow we'll be continuing our food-based conspiracy theories with a tasty yet tricky story. I hope to see you guys back tomorrow. Have a great day. <laughs>